You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to another episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast election series. I'm your host, Travis Condon. Today, we're going to be chatting with Leah Allen Cole. She is one of the Republican candidates for lieutenant governor in the September 6th Republican primary and the general election on November 8th. Leah is a lifelong resident of Massachusetts who grew up in the city of Lynn. Leah began her career as a licensed nurse working in a local nursing home. In 2013, she decided to enter politics by running in a special election for state representative for the 12th Essex District. She would represent the Peabody community from 2013 to 2015 in the State House on Beacon Hill. During that time, she was a member of the Legislature's Committee on Health Care Financing. After that, she decided to return to her career in nursing, leaving the legislature and eventually becoming a registered nurse, where she worked at a local hospital throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Leah, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Travis. Happy to be here. So, Leah, first question, why do you want to run for lieutenant governor now? Yeah, so I, um, as you probably know, I did serve in the legislature uh, back when I was 24. I was elected in, in Peabody as a state rep. And when I left politics, I went to return to my first career, which was working as a registered nurse. I got a job at a local hospital near me, worked there for almost five years. Um, I got married. I started a family. I really didn't think I would probably ever get back into politics. But then the pandemic hit, and uh you know, I was working the front line, uh, treating hospitalized COVID patients. I was doing this while I was pregnant with my second child. So I had my son. And there was no vaccine. And then uh, when I left to go on maternity leave, uh, I was told by my employer that due to the government mandate, I would not be allowed to return to work unless I consented to being vaccinated. And um, it just was not the right healthcare choice for me or one that I wanted to take for, for me and my family. So I decided against it and I was let go from my nursing job because of that. Uh, and there was just a lot of things that I saw happening throughout the pandemic that I thought was really just a lot of government at the time. I couldn't understand why our small businesses were forced to close, but our big box stores like Target and Walmart mm-hmm. were allowed to stay open. Um, and there really didn't seem to be any uh, critical thinking as far as, you know, we're forcing these businesses to close with no care for how they're going to survive the pandemic. And uh, I remember I, I was talking to a food truck owner who said that they were forced to close, but they still had to pay their $500 LLC fee to the state. And it was kind of those decisions that I was like, this is really unfair to the people in Massachusetts who are just trying to make a living. You know, they, they decided which business was essential when really it's essential to you if it's is it's putting food on the table. And a lot of the arbitrary reopenings with just delayed people getting back to real regular life, um, I thought that was kind of uh, disheartening that there was nobody in our executive leadership that was putting any kind of critical thinking into these decisions. And also there was, you know, the whole um, keeping our children out of school for so long. We really lost a lot of education and social time for our kids, and that's going to have a huge impact on them. Not to mention, um, they were wearing masks far longer than the rest of the state when all of the masks in the state had ended for everybody else. Our poor kids were still being uh, masked in schools, and I think a lot of parents had issue with that. And they didn't feel they were being able to do uh, through their school departments and school committees. They were kind of being shut out of the process. So it's, it's kind of a, a number of things. It's, it's a focus on um, our medical freedom, on our kids in schools, and it's focused on our, our economy, too kind of admit 
that what happened was wrong, that people in charge did the wrong things, and now we have to know what the repercussions. And so um, when I saw that Jeff Deal was running for governor, I just, uh, having served with him in the legislature and seeing kind of the things that he stood up for um, during his time as a state rep, I thought he'd make a great governor. I think he has really common sense ideas, a lot of um, solutions that he, that he would like to put forth, and he's not afraid to stand up kind of to the establishment status quo culture that goes on um, on the Hill, and that's really what we need right now. So I, I originally thought I was going to call to support him. I liked that he was against the vaccine mandate. Day one, he would rehire all the state workers who lost their jobs over that mandate. Day two, he would fire everyone who thought that was a good idea. So I was really um, excited by that. I think a lot of people across the state, they, they really make it a point to come out and see us at events, shake our hands, thank us for our, our um, stand on that because a lot of people, the ones that took the vaccine, um, a lot of people I don't think really wanted to, but they felt coerced that it was, you know, take the vaccine or lose the job. Really, um, I, I got into this just as a way to, to stand up for the things that I thought was right. I, I think that Jeff Deal's platform is an excellent one that's going to do a lot of good things for Massachusetts. It's the best way that I could support him getting into the, the corner office to come on board and run for LG to kind of get our message out there to as many voters as possible. And Lee, I know you mentioned uh, your career as a nurse, but you also spent time in the state legislature. Can you talk about how your past experience at Beacon Hill really prepares you uh, for this run for lieutenant governor? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, for, like like I said, I ran for state rep when I was 24. I was and at that time, it was really just a message of uh, fiscal um, accountability, transparency in state government, making sure we're using our tax dollars wisely, that we're not wasting money, and, and then looking for the taxpayers to continue paying more. Um, it's pretty clear that our state doesn't have a problem, has a problem. That was, that was true then, and it's continued into now. Uh, and so I, I have experience in how the budget process works. I have experience in how the amendments work. I, I have connections on Beacon Hill. Uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with the layout of, of how state government operates. And I think that's something that both Jeff and I do bring to the table as well as private sector experience. It's not that we've spent our entire lives in government. Jeff ran for office the first time when he was 40 years old. And I uh, was you know, passionate about the issues since I was younger, but I didn't stay in politics. I actually made the decision. I, I wasn't voted out, but I made the decision after a few years that, you know, I served my time as a public servant, and I wanted to go back to the private sector to kind of just um, lead a, a more you know, normal life. And uh, that's kind of, I think, something that we bring that to me. Now, Lee, I know you mentioned kind of the, the way the current administration handled the pandemic and, and talking about the restrictions. And when you look at how the administration is handling economic recovery from the pandemic, what do you believe needs to be done differently? And how would you and Jeff handle that if you're both elected uh, in September and then again in November? Right. So I, th- I think right now, uh, some of the biggest issues that we're facing is filling jobs. And so um, a lot of people want to talk about creating jobs. Of course, that's important. But right now, I think what we're hearing from a lot of people is that they can't find uh, employees to fill the jobs that they have. And I was uh, I was speaking to someone that I worked with in the Office of Labor and Workforce Development. And he was telling me how there are actually a lot of state folks that are geared towards uh, preparing people to enter the workforce, whether it's um, job training or just 
um, connecting people with employers, people who are looking for work. And a lot of times that's not taking advantage of. So there'll definitely be a focus on um, highlighting programs so that we're, we're getting them into the, the cities and the places where people are looking for jobs to make sure that we get people back to work. And the other thing that's a little concerning, uh, very concerning if you're a small business, is that the unemployment fund um, has a structural deficit uh, right now. There's about $1.7 billion that is owed to the federal government for pandemic-era benefits that have been paid out. Um, and right now there hasn't been real action to pay down uh, that fund. So if we fail to, to re, uh, refill that fund, uh, it's not going to end up raising taxes on small businesses, uh, which they can't afford. They're already struggling to get back up and running up all the pandemic. So definitely um, there would be a huge uh, like incentive to make sure that that gets uh, properly uh, paid back so that it's solvent again. And then, of course, we just want to make sure that we're um, – that we're looking at where we can cut taxes. I like to say that every tax cut is a pay raise, and the people of Massachusetts could really use one right now with the cost of gas, the cost of groceries, inflation all across the board is going up and, and making it really hard for people to get by. Uh, and there were a lot of tax cuts that um, the Baker administration proposed that I thought was, was great. So clearly there is room and budget to find some savings for people. It's just whether you're willing to you know, do the work to get it done. Um, so we're definitely enacting some of those um, those Baker tax cuts uh, mm-hmm. that we saw. And, uh, yeah, just making sure that we're working as hard as possible to, to make sure that oh, the tax dollars that are owed to the school of Massachusetts, right, we have this huge billion, billions of dollars in surplus money that somehow the legislature is dragging their feet on. There's a law, you know, telling them that, you know, we've hit the circuit breakers and it's time to return that money to the people of Massachusetts, and they, they are just very that. So it's definitely something we need to um, focus on. So, Leah, one of the things you mentioned uh, was the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, and you mentioned some of the benefits that were kind of wrongly paid out. That Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund had issues before the pandemic, and the pandemic really exacerbated it. Uh, what would you propose in addition to getting those benefits back, those wrongly paid out ones? What is the long-term solution to really fix this and make sure that it is solvent in the future? Yeah, that is something that I think need to look at for um it's you know it's, it's been brought to light like you said pandemic and i don't have the exact answer for you right now but it's definitely something that is out in the forefront now and it's really important to our state economy and our small businesses and it's something that we would have to definitely make sure that we address and you mentioned the tight labor market, really getting folks upskilled and uptrained. I think that's uh, on a lot of folks' mind. Uh, you look at the kind of great resignation, how many folks left during the pandemic and how many folks even after, uh, as we navigate recovery, are continuing to leave the workforce. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a huge issue. And, and part of it is just that a lot of the baby boomers, they retired from you know, the pandemic. They just, you know, they, they were close enough to retirement age that they didn't want to deal with public matching and the testing, the, the vaccine mandates and all that, they left the workforce, left a huge gap, you know, so we really need to be um, focusing on getting people into those positions. And I think one of the things that we can look at um, kind of segueing into our education is um, is vocational schools, you know, so that we have a workforce that's ready right from high school, that they can, they can sort of fill into some of these jobs and make sure that we're, we're getting our people um, out into the workforce. Leah, one of the other things I want to talk about, um, a lot of folks out here in North Central Mass, we often think that 
uh, we kind of get forgotten about. When you look at the, the makeup of the state, it seems like everything kind of outside the 128 belt sometimes gets left behind. And when you look at our economic development potential, we feel like we've not hit that potential in the same way other parts of the state have. If you and Jeff are elected, how would you propose um, we kind of bring some of that economic prosperity out this way and really work on North Central Massachusetts economic development? Yeah, so I think definitely uh, visiting those areas, listening to people that live there, the, the people who have started businesses there. You know, as a state, we need to be more business friendly. And I think that, you know, North Central Massachusetts has, like, definitely, like you said, uh, a great potential for this. I mean, if we can bring some of the businesses there just by making Massachusetts a, a more friendly state for businesses, that's a, that's a great start. And, you know, working with things like the Chambers of Commerce and the business owners in that area and listening to what they need and what to improve, um, you know, the, the economic culture in that area. When it comes to making Massachusetts more of a business-friendly state, I know you mentioned the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, uh, really kind of working to upskill workers and get folks trained at the vocational levels. But what else do we need to do? What else would your administration do to make Massachusetts more business-friendly? Well, we need to look at our regulations. I think um, a lot of people complain about all the red tape that it takes to open a business and stay in compliance. And we need to look at places where we can cut some of that more onerous for business to thrive here. Um, we, we need to look at our corporate tax rates. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about tax cuts, it's not just for individuals, but also for businesses. Because as you know, businesses, when they have to pay taxes, they don't eat those costs. They pass those on to their consumers, uh, which makes the price of goods and services more for, for the residents of Massachusetts. We all like to talk about taxing corporations make pay their fair share. And of course, it's important that our tax rate is fair, but uh, we definitely need to make it a more uh, friendly climate for business here. And those are some of the things start. And when it comes to making things business friendly, we mentioned the word climate. I often think of um, what we're doing in terms of climate legislation. Uh, the Baker administration recently signed the legislature's Compromise Offshore Wind and Climate Policy Bill. Do you believe this new piece of legislation coupled with the Commonwealth's zero carbon emissions goal by 2050 are the right approach to cl- address climate change? And if not, how would you propose that we do so? And how would you make it business friendly? So I think the climate bill is uh, the, the one that Charlie Baker just signed. Even he had reservations about it because it did remove some of the um, reg- the caps that said that um, offshore wind has to produce more uh, energy at a lower cost than the, than the project before and things like that. It also establishes a lot more commissions and kind of increases the scope of our already bloated state government. And so I don't think that's right. I also don't think that uh, we have to have an end goal at, like at less than 10 years of having nothing but electric vehicles in Massachusetts. If you think about it, it's just not sustainable. It's not practical for the people of Massachusetts. These cars are $60,000 for a new car. Uh, a lot of people can't afford that. I can't afford that. Uh, and also, I think what's missing in some of this legislation is the critical thinking aspect, the unintended consequences, the long-term consequences, for instance, um, charging all of these electric vehicles. Well, right now, our electric grid powered by fossil fuels. So, you know, to add to that grid without, uh, without knowing how we're going to change that into clean energy is, is just, um, it's a bad policy. I think. So I think it's um, a better approach 
to incentivize people to buy gifts instead of mandating them. Because I think if, a, if it's a good idea, you don't mandate people will naturally, uh, you know, go towards something that's a good idea. I also think that, um, you know, we need to get rid of these hard, hard stop dates, 2030, 2035, whatever it And we need to look at um, expanding our portfolio of energy, but definitely can't just cut off fossil fuels by a hard date because, you know, uh, it might look good on paper, but then the people of Massachusetts are going to be the ones left holding the bag trying to figure out how these are going to uh, be implemented and how they're going to work. So, um, you know, we definitely want to commit to, to looking at renewable energy and promoting energy independence. The other thing is I think we need to look at safety opening the pipelines that Mara Healy blocked. We had two pipelines that were slated to be built to come into Massachusetts and bring our natural gas. It's very proud that she stopped those pipelines, but what she fails to mention is that instead of getting our, our energy through those pipelines in Massachusetts, we're just now buying natural gas from overseas, which is probably more of a carbon footprint having to haul over there on the barge. Um, it's, it's a dirtier process altogether. So, um, you know, we definitely need to look at these proposals carefully and make sure that it's not going to be um, not going to be detrimental to our businesses. Uh, part of this climate bill also was, you know, the fact that, that a lot of municipalities, uh, the 10 pilot programs that ban the use of fossil fuels in new construction, both private and commercial, uh, and, you know, it starts with a pilot program, but I, I just think that's moving in the wrong direction outright ban things it, it doesn't give it doesn't give the the uh econ the green economy enough wiggle room to kind of see what's working and what's not now leah one of the other big discussions um is around transportation if you're familiar with north central massachusetts congestion on route two is a huge issue in the region a uh, lack of public transportation options out here in north central massachusetts can also be a barrier to employment for many uh, the T in Boston continues to face issues, including the new shutdown with the Orange Line. If elected, how would your administration use transportation investments to improve access uh, to North Central Mass and other served parts of the region? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest issues right now with our transportation uh, organizations is that they need structural change. We keep kind of throwing money at problems uh, without looking at what's actually being done so it's have the right people in place. So I think we need to overhaul like kind of the management and take a look at that, make sure that people are accountable for the jobs that they're supposed to do and the money that they're supposed to be spending and what they're spending it on. And um, I think part of that is we need to change our Chapter 9 funding. So right now the formula uh, is given to uh, population more than road miles. And like you said, it can tend to favor um, more heavily populated areas or like in, in the belt of West uh, Gate, but when you move outside, um, you know, people have uh, use those roads, but we need to switch the formula so that it's being being um, divvied out by road miles and then uh, make sure that we are investing in, in those roads properly. Um, and that would change the funding equity for like Central Mass and Western Mass, and I think it's time that we looked at that. Um, you know, so we, it's definitely a lot of things that we look at. And it's time that we, like said, stop focusing on just Boston and the surrounding area. We have to bring the whole state of Massachusetts up and make sure that everybody uh, has, a, has a great opportunity. When it comes to opportunities, a lot of folks have been wondering if there is opportunity and if there is a will to get an east-west rail 
uh, in place throughout Massachusetts, really connecting Boston to the western part of the state. Is this feasible? Yeah, that's definitely something that's been looked at in the legislature. Uh, they've talked about that for a long time. I know that there are some people in Western Mass who do have um, questions about kind of how it would change the landscape of Western Mass if, if it would bring more benefit to them or kind of benefit to people who are looking for lower uh, property taxes out that way. Um, so I think the people of Western Mass should, should be able to weigh in on that. But it's, I think it's something that is a viable option when it comes to reducing the congestion and reducing the housing crunch um, closer to the city and making sure that people have the opportunity to live somewhere that's affordable and also access to well-paying jobs uh, closer to the city. Leah, well, earlier in the interview, you mentioned you know, the business is hardest hit by the pandemic. And out here in North Central Mass, one of the hardest hit was the tourism industry. Uh, by the way, it's the third largest industry in the state, also a huge priority industry for North Central Massachusetts that we're trying to grow. Uh, despite its importance, though, Massachusetts often falling near the bottom of the pack when compared to other states in terms of investment into tourism marketing and support for the industry. How would your administration help the region and the state to capitalize on tourism and better compete with other states across New England and across the country that are trying to grow their market share at our expense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tourism is something that should definitely take advantage of. Like you said, it's a great opportunity for North Central Massachusetts. Um, and I think at that point, it's, it's it's a good idea to network and talk to the chambers of commerce in that area, what their ideas are, make sure that um, good ideas are being brought to the table. And, you know, uh, not a, we can't be experts on everything. I'm not an expert on tourism, but I'm going to listen to people who have put the time and the research into it and hear their ideas that we're supporting them any way that we can. Leah, I'm going to put you on the clock in just a second. If you were to show up at my doorstep or any of our listeners' doorsteps and you had 60 seconds to convince us uh, why we should have your vote in the September 6th Republican primary and then again on Tuesday, November 8th, uh, what would you say? And I'm going to start you right now. Okay, I would say that it's time to make Massachusetts a state where people want to live and work and not a state where they want to or have to leave because they cannot afford it. Um, the Neil Allen administration has a plan to make Massachusetts a place to prosper, and three of the most pressing problems is the cost of living. We have a plan for that. Um, we also have a plan to make sure that um, our hungry politicians aren't taking away people's rights and freedoms. And I think coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people have felt that government overstepped their authority um, under that health emergency, and, and people want to make sure that we're operating strength of the Constitution. And we need to make sure that we're taking a look at, a critical look at our laws for the state of Massachusetts, like, for instance, giving driver's licenses to illegal immigrants, climate bills, and um, the, the mail-in voting law. All of those can um, can be a risk to Massachusetts, and we want to make sure that we are looking at those critically and making sure that all of our legislation is something that makes the lives better for all of us. And time. Just over. But, Leah, we're going to give you a chance right now to uh, tell listeners where they can go for more information and to learn more about the platform, which you were just mentioning. Yeah, thank you. So uh, our plan is called Blueprint for the Bay State, and you can visit jeffdeal.com to learn more about that. My uh, website is com. Check me out there. See uh, more of where I stand on the issue. Get involved. There's a contact page. And um, really, we're, we're grateful to hear from the people of Massachusetts and what's important to them. So I would urge everyone to take a look. 
and um, consider voting for us in the primary September 6th if you uh, think that, you know, we have good ideas for Massachusetts. Again, we want to thank Leah Cole Allen for joining us. She's one of the Republican candidates for the race for lieutenant governor. The Republican primary is September 6th. The November election is November 8th. Leah, thank you so much for your time. I know it's busy campaigning. Okay, so I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.